Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. With the Wells Fargo Active Cash credit card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn on what you want, like trying out that new workout class, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like a foam roller for your sore muscles. That's the beauty of the Active Cash credit card. It's ready when you are, with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash credit card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash activecash. Hi, <laughs> welcome to Bit the Edge. I'm Jay Croucher, joined by dude Drew Dinsick. I'm still playing hurt. My children are conspiring to make me as sick as possible, <laughs> but we will push on, much like we pushed on through Monday Night Football. Another shocking game, uh, but Tom Brady comes through in the clutch as he is uh, prone to. At the box win, uh, what you make of the game, Drew? Uh, I mean, you said it. I think anyone who watched all four quarters of that game deserves some sort of a medal. Um, there were many, many moments up until the two minute warning there, the, the, you know, kind of the, uh, the clutch drives by the bucks where that was just an absolutely unwashable mess. Um, but ultimately, uh, you had a very weird, uh, I think offensive kind of, uh, performance there by the bucks where their scripted stuff looked good. Uh, their hurry up offense was elite. And then the 58 minutes in the middle were just, what is happening here? Like, what, you know, what's the plan? Uh, it definitely seems like Leftwich was not really in full grasp of what he wanted to do, kind of from a vision standpoint. Still, just a lot of like predictable runs, predictable dump off passes that were just, you know, absolute non starters. Uh, Saints defense performed well for most of that game. Um, the uh, a lot of focus on sort of the very, very end stages of the game where Dennis Allen had some opportunities to be a little bit more aggressive, I thought, uh, and just couldn't. Uh, uh, really figure out the right pattern there of when he needed to kind of push the aggressive button versus uh, when he just needed to take the low-hanging fruit there. Um, kind of funny that on third and one, uh, with the opportunity to basically salt the game away, if you convert, they don't go to Taysom Hill in that situation when that's kind of his absolute bread and butter. Uh, but then on third and 17, they decide, you know what, we'll try a downfield pass and see if we can get Taysom Hill to figure out a contested catch uh, 25 yards beyond the line of scrimmage so uh it was just a little bit of a head scratching decision making by the saints they they kind of wear this one as far as a loss goes because um you know they they had the game well in hand if they are a little bit more efficient in the red zone if they're a little bit more efficient on any of those game ending drives and this is a very different conversation we're having about is this the end of the bucks instead i think people come out of this game seeing what they did in that in those clutch moments and they're thinking bucks are live not just for the South, but for the NFC, because the NFC is an absolute mess right now of quarterbacks uh, who are likely going to be taking the field in the you know inexperience and uh, and just question marks surrounding everyone else besides Tom Brady right now in the NFC playoff picture. So um, you can take this either way, man. Bucks Super Bowl championship, or is, is somebody going to steal the NFC South from them? Yeah, I mean the Saints are a disgrace. That was shameful selling at <laughs> the end of the game. They're now uh, obviously that's their season done. They're top 
2,800 to win the NFC South. The Bucs are minus 667. And the Carolina Panthers are our second favorite for the division at 10 to 1. The Falcons still there at 12 to 1, a very uninspiring team across the board. With the Bucs, I mean, it just, the offense now, this is enough of a sample where the offense just isn't, it's just not, doesn't seem like it's going to get fixed. It seems like it's just, it's too ingrained, the mediocrity. Uh, they've just, they've struggled for so long. There was a stretch where it was over 14 drives, they scored three points which is just unfathomable when you have Tom Brady still playing at a fine level uh, and Chris Godwin and Mike Evans, an offensive line that is banged up but still shouldn't be as bad as it's been. So, I mean, the Bucks, I don't know. The defense has shown signs of life, but I don't think it's an elite, elite unit. And the offense just doesn't have the ceiling. Brady's just not getting the yards per attempt that he had in his years with Tampa. So there's not much to love. Uh, but at the same time, three-and-a-half-point dogs to Brock Purdy. It's, I mean, this will be the the public kind of look of, wow, Tom Brady's a three-and-a-half-point underdog to Brock Purdy. At the same time, I kind of like the Bucs. <laughs> um, and yeah. I, I, think, I think you think, and I agree, that the adjustment from the look-ahead of minus six with Jimmy G to three-and-a-half, four with Brock Purdy is not a big enough adjustment. Yeah. That's basically all there is to this. Uh, the math the math assignment for everyone who's handicapping the NFL this week is come up with a, a true approximation of the adjustment in price from Jimmy G to Brock Purdy. Um, you can go about that any which way you want. But I, I, I mean, even if you take sort of the neutral quarterback under Kyle Shanahan as your baseline expectation for what you're going to get from uh, from Brock Purdy. This is still not a big enough adjustment from you know what was you know the look ahead of minus six to now looking at minus four. Uh, we're talking about somewhere in the ballpark of a less than ten percent win probability swing. Uh, you know when you're bringing in a new quarterback who has not gotten first team reps all season. Um, on top of that, you have a number of you know the Niners. They got a win. But at what cost? Like that was a very, very physical game against the uh, Miami Dolphins. A number of their high-profile players got dinged up in that game, missed time in that game. The offense we know uh, is dealing with a number of injuries. Christian McCaffrey's not 100%. Debo Samuel's not 100%. Uh, and now you're going to ask Brock Purdy to basically get it done with the B team. I am shocked that this has not moved across three. I thought this would open up on the two and a half range, kind of independent of the result we would see uh, with the the Bucks on Monday Night Football. Um, and I, I mean, this is bucks plus the points, bucks, bucks on the money line. I don't really know that I'm going to have a bigger position just looking at the rest of the board this week. It all looks kind of fair to me except for this game. So um, I guess I'm I'm, uh, I'm Team Tom. Yeah, uh, it's not a great team to be this year, but they are. <laughs> I think the question is, is like just from a thought experiment, like what has a higher floor? Is it Tom Brady, Mike Evans and Chris Godwin or is it, Kyle Shanahan's scheme with Christian McCaffrey, Debo Samuel, George Kittle, and Brandon Ayuk. Uh, yeah. And just, you know, I, I've spoken to people who said that it was a reach that Brock Purdy got drafted where he did and he was the yeah. last person to draft. <laughs> the people were shocked. Guy made it to the NFL. So, I mean, he looked, he looked stunningly okay, I thought, against Miami. And we'll see what he looks like this week. Uh, and with a proper week to, to scheme against Brock Purdy, maybe uh, the Bucks will be able to throw different looks at him. But I don't know. He looked good. He looked good enough against Miami for them to win against the Bucks. But you would expect uh, certainly that there is some disaster potential there. 
Let's talk about these two divisions, the NFC West and the NFC South. Firstly, any interest in the Carolina Panthers at 10 to 1? I'm I'm gonna pass on that one. I get it that Sam Darnold looks to be more competent than what you got out of PJ Walker and Baker Mayfield, surely. Um but he's still Sam Darnold. Uh, there's enough signal there that this guy is a bottom third quarterback uh, that I don't think you're really going to expect uh, kind of surprise positive performances from them. Um, the, if the Bucks lost the game last night, I think we're having a very different conversation today um, because the Panthers, obviously, 4-0 in division is amazing. Uh, they have what I think they have four wins. Oh, excuse me. They're 3-0 in division, but they have uh, the only win that they have that was out of division was against the Denver Broncos. Um, the Buccaneers and the Saints. The I forget, of course, that they lost to the Falcons in overtime because of the DJ Moore thing. Sorry, Jay. Um, but yeah, ultimately the, the Carolina Panthers. Uh, the path is is just too uh, too challenging here for them to get home, um, especially finishing back to back on the road at Bucks at Saints. Uh, if you're holding on to uh, to hope that they pull off the impossible and upset the mighty Seahawks, stun the, the resurgent Steelers, and then uh, pick off the plucky Lions, you still have those final two road divisional games to get you know to get over the hump if you want to get that ticket home. So I think the Panthers are probably done. Uh, if you kind of made me predict most likely final record for them, I'm going five and 12. Uh, I think they really only get one of this next three and then they probably lose those final two. So uh, I, I'm not really uh, looking for any kind of Panthers love here. And in fact, uh, um, I'm pretty I'm pretty engaged in that Panthers Carolina market <laughs> this week. Um, I'm surprised that there is as much love as there is in the market for the Panthers in that one. Um, we're looking at, uh, we had look aheads that were in the ballpark of seven, six and a half uh, for Seattle. And it's now three and a half. Um, is that in that? I, I'm assuming that's not entirely based on them cutting, uh, cutting Baker Mayfield. Like you don't get a, that big of an adjustment for cutting Baker Mayfield. Um, and so, yeah, I, I'm I'm not exactly sure what's going on there. Seattle has uh, just a still a sizzling precision downfield passing game. Geno Smith is the guy. They're at home. This is high leverage. Uh, you know, I'm 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 not seeing uh, this adjustment down into the three and a half range. So small edge for me on Seattle here, and I'm going to be watching that one pretty closely. Yeah, I don't really understand the line either. I mean, Ken Walker shouldn't really be moving the line that much, if at all, really, because of how good the passing game is for Seattle. I will say the Seattle defense is terrible, uh, and I think there was the hope that it might be you know, slightly below average, the 18th, 19th defense in the league. Right now it looks like a bottom six defense and just couldn't do anything against Las Vegas. Made Yeah, made John Wofford and Cam Akers look vaguely competent as well so i think that is the angle is that they have a dreadful defense and carolina's defense is is pretty solid once you throw out the bengals game which i'm still not sure entirely what happened but even with seattle's issues i think at plus 325 for the division and the niners are minus 425 i still think seattle that price is too long even with the defense now the tiebreak situation is very weird and is gonna shake itself out over the next few weeks but I still think Seattle have to be a bet at plus 325, right? Yes, absolutely. Uh, and this is a rare chance where you are trying to capitalize on the market under appreciating Jimmy G. I really think that's what, what we're looking at here because I can't ever really get to the point where there is so much confidence in what Shanahan does that people really are treating Brock Purdy like an average replacement player. 
He was a seventh round drafted rookie, as you said, potentially overdrafted. Uh, got a little Chad, a little Chad Kelly situation there, where John Elway does his buddy Jim Kelly a favor and, and drafts his kid, uh, so he's you know he, as Mister Irrelevant. But uh, as John Lynch maybe knows Brock Purdy's dad, who knows? Um, but uh, it it's, it definitely to me, uh, you're expecting a pretty low level of performance out of Purdy in this one. Um, and and if the Niners stub their toe against the Bucks. Well, what do they get in terms of trying to get back on track? They get a road game at the Seahawks the next week. So literally a loss-loss Niners, a win-win Seahawks flips these prices in entirety. We wake up after two weeks of football and we are looking at Seattle minus 400, San Francisco plus 300. And I think realistically the opportunity captured that much equity just on the basis of a little bit of a, uh, an underappreciation of how good Jimmy G was in this system, uh, I think is the play here. Yep, I'm with you. And look, Seattle's schedule, I mean, it's okay. Carolina, San Francisco, at Kansas City, which they will probably lose, home to the Jets, home to the Rams. By that time, the Rams may not have any players at all. So they they have to beat Carolina, they have to beat San Francisco, and then they need they need help from the Bucks or the Raiders who play San Francisco later in the season. But I agree, this price should be more like plus 175, plus yeah. 200, that type of range. Okay, just a reminder, if you don't have the NBC Sports Predictor app, go download it now. The contests are free and easy to play, and you have a shot to win $100,000 this weekend by guessing the outcome between the Dolphins and Chargers in our Sunday Night 7 contest. Ready for a new and exciting career challenge? At DHL Supply Chain, you're part of a team committed to creating innovative solutions for some of the biggest brands in the world. We're recognized as a best place to work, where people are valued, supported, and respected. DHL Supply Chain is hiring for a wide range of salaried operational and functional roles. Previous experience in logistics is welcome, but not required. All opportunities, no boundaries. DHL Supply Chain. Apply today at joindhl.com. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Whether you're a morning person or a bedtime procrastinator, everyone deserves a mattress that works for their style. And you'll find the best mattress for you at Ashley. The new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley brings you one-of-a-kind body-conforming technology, making every sleep tailored to be your best. The collection also features cool-to-the-touch covers and motion absorption to help minimize sleep disruptions from partners, pets, or kids. Shop the all-new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home. It's time to get your swagger back with PointsBet Sportsbook. New customers can sign up now with the code BETTHEEDGE to get five second chance bets up to $500. That's five straight days of second chances where PointsBet will match your losing wager in free bets. So use the promo code BETTHEEDGE and enjoy more live betting markets than ever before. PointsBet, it's your move. New customers only. Must be 21 plus and present in Colorado, Iowa, Illinois, Indiana, Kansas, Louisiana, Maryland, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Pennsylvania, Virginia, or West Virginia. In partnership with Louisiana iGaming LP, DBA Boomtown, New Orleans. Second chance means that if any of your first five cash bets, that is the first bet per day for five consecutive days on a fixed odds market loses, you will receive free bets in the amount of the losing wager up to $100 each. Cash out is not available on all wagers and may not be equivalent to the initial 
initial wager. PointsBet can disable or suspend the cash out feature at any time. Additional terms and conditions apply. See the promotions page and terms and conditions section of the PointsBet website app for more details. Void where prohibited. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help in Illinois, Maryland, New Jersey, or West Virginia, call 1-800-GAMBLER for crisis counseling and referral services or visit www.1800gambler.net. In Colorado or Kansas, call 1-800-522-4700. In Iowa, call 1-800-BETS-OFF. In Indiana, call 1-800-9-WITH-IT. In Michigan, call 1-800-270-7117. In Virginia, call 1-888-532-3500. Gambling problem? Call 877-8-HOPE-NEW-YORK or text HOPE-NEW-YORK. That's 467-369. In New York, call 1-800-GAMBLER. In Pennsylvania, call 1-877-770-STOP. That's 1-877-770-6867 in Louisiana. Let's talk Offensive Rookie of the Year, which I think is certainly the most vulnerable market, the one that's most in flux. A lot of other markets now, we're getting to the point of the season where, you know, Geno Smith, Source Gardner for their awards, that's basically just a bet on health. Uh, MVP is Mahomes versus Hurts to me with Joe Burrow as the outer. Coach of the year is Sirianni's to lose probably. I think he just needs to go 15-2 and two and he should win. But Offensive Rookie of the Year is a complete bloodbath where Ken Walker is still the favorite, plus 175. He is questionable to play this week. Garrett Wilson's plus 250. Christian Watson is plus 375. I wouldn't back Christian Watson if he was 15 to 1. He's got 400 <laughs> yards. Chris Olave. Chris Olave and Damian Pierce are the uninspiring picks. Uh, but Chris Olave is plus 500. Brian Robinson, 16 to 1. He's on a bye this week, which hurts him. Kenny Pickett, 20 to 1. And Damian Pierce, plus 2,200. Now, Damian Pierce yeah. is an uninspiring pick for the masses at 22 to one. It seems a bit absurd given he's got like a 200 yard lead on the field, but who's your look in this market? I have yet to make a single bet in the offensive rookie of the year market in this current cycle. I'm out of this market because I have every time flipped it open and just said, man, the only bet is take on the favorite. Like that's been this, that's been the way to attack this the entire time. And I, there's just no liquidity and, you know, betting against the favorite and the offers of rookie of the year market. No one will write a big bet there. Um, but, you know, we were talking about Ken Walker, the third was minus 150 last week. And that was insane. Plus 175, considering his health status, is even more insane. I, I mean, I, this guy should be absolutely kind of in the second tier at this point, with Wilson, in my opinion, as sort of the top of the board. Um, I think the idea of, you know, we have long talked about one of the aspects of awards being a sharing notion, right? A distribution amongst different teams getting credit, right? That used to be the way it was where you had a single vote, right? Well, they've changed that. This is now ranked choice voting, which I think completely unlocks the idea that a certain team could get two, three awards, right? And I mean, I, a guy like Garrett Wilson, who is producing at the level he is and who now has Mike White throwing to him and, you know, and, and in a, you know, with the Jets team that is very much in the mix to get a wild card and shock the world. Like nobody, absolutely nobody, even halfway through the season, thought this Jets team was a playoff team. And yet here they are knocking on the door, even after coming off of a very tough loss against the Vikings. So I think the Jets absolutely are in the mix to win both Rookie of the Year awards here. And ranked choice voting plays a huge role in how this breaks down. If I'm taking a long shot in this market, it's not going to be Pierce, although I completely agree 
understand and agree with your points. I think people are just going to have a very tough time voting for, uh, you know, a guy who's accumulated volume on a team that has one win. Um, but Kenny Pickett is definitely in the driver's seat, in my opinion, to put the Steelers in the conversation for that seventh seed, put them in the conversation for a winning record. Uh, and if the Steelers kind of come down the stretch hot and win, 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 even though his stats are garbage, uh, I think people are going to give him credit for QB wins, even though it's obviously a team effort and it's largely the defense being healthy that's gotten the Steelers where they are right now. So uh, keeping a close eye on the Steelers' results, uh, Kenny Pickett, obviously a favorite this week going up against the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, he gets uh, another couple of games where he absolutely is going to either be a short favorite um, or maybe even a meaningful favorite if the, you know, if the defense continues to trend upward for Pittsburgh. So, um, you know, Pickett coming home down the home stretch here with uh, just a streaking set of wins, I think is going to give people some interest to putting him on their ballot in some, uh, you know, second, third choice potentially. And and that's what's going to decide this one. Um, what are your thoughts in terms of how ranked choice voting in particular in, impacts this market? Yeah, I well, firstly, let me read you a stat line from a quarterback <laughs> in the year 2010. The quarterback in 2010 who threw for 18 touchdowns, 15 interceptions, averaged 219 yards per game, had a 76 quarterback rating, and went seven and nine. And Sam Bradford won Offensive Rookie of the Year. <laughs> and I think that's what Kenny Pickett path is basically being vaguely competent at the most important position and flirt with 500. I think that yeah. it's weird, but I think Lamar Jackson getting hurt might have really shifted the offensive rookie of the year market <laughs> yes. because Kenny Pickett plays Baltimore this week. Lamar's not going to play almost certainly. And then he plays him again in three, uh, four weeks where Lamar, I don't know, maybe he's not back by then either. So I think that that is material. Steelers have an easy schedule. If they can get to just nine and eight and Pickett fixes up his stats a little bit, then I think he can he can win if no one else separates themselves. My other thoughts on the market are basically Ken Walker's price is just poison until we know that he's 100% healthy. <laughs> Christian yes. Watson is not winning. He's got 400 yards. I think America has just made up its mind that Chris Olave and Damian Pierce aren't going to win this award uh, because of their teams. Uh, the longer shots don't have any interest there. So to me... Garrett Wilson should be the favorite in the market. It's just a matter of finding yep. out where what his true price is between minus one ten and plus two fifty. And I would say it's, it's probably like it's probably like plus one fifty. So I think it's definitely a bet yeah. at plus two fifty. But he is the bet. And then I think Kenny Pickett. The Steelers are about true price fourteen to one to make the playoffs, that type of range. If they make the playoffs, then you would think that Kenny Pickett just wins the award at that point. So uh, I do think that he is a bet at 20 to 1. It's not the most inspiring bet, but I think that Pickett and yeah. Wilson are the two plays. This market just kills me because yeah. I had Brees yeah. Hall at 22 to 1. I had Ken Walker at oh. 40 to 1. I didn't feel oh. good about either. <laughs> Obviously, Brees Hall is completely done. They should just give the award to Brees Hall because he was the best offensive rookie this year. <laughs> <laughs> I, it's funny that you named Wilson's price at plus 150 because I was going to say 40% and that's plus 150. Um, and, I, you know, I think, you know, what we laid out for um, for Kenny Pickett is probably a 10% chance. Um, and so at at 22 to 1, 20 to 1, that's a bet. Um, so, I, you know, I think that's where we stake our, 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 our ground here. And 
I, again, I, I haven't bet this market. I just haven't had enough conviction, enough of an edge to, to feel like getting involved. But uh, this is probably the time. I, I don't know. I don't know. Did Are you seeing any chemistry between Garrett Wilson and Mike White that would suggest that Wilson could have some more days like we saw on Sunday? Well, I think the thing is, is that when you look at Wilson's stats just without Zach Wilson as his quarterback, He's basically like Tyreek Hill meets Justin Jefferson. Like, it's absurd. <laughs> He's uh, very good. <laughs> yes. And I think the fact that, like, he had 15 targets on the weekend. That's ridiculous. Yeah. Like, NFL, like, it's a very small group of players who even have the upside to get 15 targets once all season. That's generally reserved for Cooper Cup and Tyreek Hill and Justin Jefferson. But the fact that he is getting that volume, the fact that Garrett Wilson went eight for 162 and then also was two inches away from an 80 yard touchdown that Mike White overthrew. Uh, I think that is all positive for Garrett Wilson. I think the Jets, their schedule as well. They're playing Buffalo at Buffalo this week where they're almost certainly going to be losing and throwing to Garrett Wilson. And -hmm. then it's Detroit, Jacksonville at Seattle, all bad defenses where, And I also, I don't think the Jets are good enough to be able to run and hide from those teams either, necessarily. No. Uh, so no. I think they're going to be throwing. And then at Miami last week of the season, you know, that's not the most intimidating defense either. So I do think that Garrett Wilson is definitely the bet. All right. Yeah. Download the Roto World app to receive breaking player news all season long. Stay ahead of the competition by favoriting players on your roster. Get the latest injury updates, player news, and much more delivered right to your phone. It's available in the App Store today. All right, let's talk World Cup. Let's talk Portugal, Switzerland. Portugal, minus 115 favorites on the three-way money line. The draw is plus 240. Switzerland, plus 350. This is the later game today at 2 p.m. Eastern as I turn to my left and see that Spain still have not scored uh, despite having, I don't know, 2, two XG in the first half. It's ridiculous they didn't score, but what's your read on the Portugal-Switzerland game? Yeah, sweating this Spain result big time right now. Um, <clears throat> don't know why they can't find a... They, can't, they cannot get a finish to save their lives. Um, Portugal is very different. Portugal gets they they have clinical finishing <laughs> and Bruno Fernandes in particular that guy absolutely incredibly good on the pitch and uh, you know people will look to the star power of Cristiano Ronaldo and assume that that Portugal's you know fortunes go through him no it's one hundred percent the midfield it's one hundred percent Bruno uh, and I would expect that in general Portugal is the uh, is the clear better team in this particular in this head to head now that's not to disrespect Switzerland I watched a lot of that Switzerland Serbia. Uh, match that was really really high quality switzerland produced some absolutely outstanding uh, opportunities in that one and so i think the play here is both teams to score um portugal is good defensively they're okay goalkeeping wise but you look back to some of their matches like the match against ghana um you know with a lead they did not sit on the ball uh they gave up op- you know, lots of opportunities for their opponents to get back into it and switzerland has some nice attacking players so i think uh this is either an overlook or both teams to score yes uh type of a play here um and uh you know i don't think we should dismiss switzerland op- you know potential to advance here but um i would not uh take take on the the price of portugal to win in in regulation yeah i think both teams to score plus 105 i think that's a totally reasonable look i think that portugal yeah their case the score is that they're the better team and they have Jao Felix, Bruno Fernandes, Bernardo Silva. Uh, Bernardo Silva is just constantly overlooked at all kind of levels, is quietly one of the best players in the world, despite having a kind of weird up-and-down spell with Manchester City over the past few years. 
and then yeah, Ronaldo for all his sins is still an elite finisher. So Portugal scoring seems relatively straightforward. And then to your point about Switzerland, I mean, Portugal's defending against Ghana was a disgrace. Like they it completely was. lost their heads. They really shouldn't have won that game with the goalkeeping snafu at the end. So I think that Portugal are very vulnerable. Uh, yeah, whenever Cristiano Ronaldo is in your team, your defense is compromised, your defensive scheme is compromised. So I think both teams to score uh, is a pretty solid look in this one. Now, Swiss games have typically, in the history of the World Cup, uh, have yeah. been very kind of bland, very kind of Swiss. No offense. To <laughs> but, you know, very neutral. Yeah. Very, Someone who lived in Switzerland for four months, it's very clean, everything runs on time, and the defense is typically very well structured. Uh, but I do think that in this game against this Portuguese defense, based on what Switzerland showed in their last game as well, I do think that there will be uh, goals. Uh, and I think I probably prefer both teams to score uh, than the price on the over two and a half. Uh, which, is, which is similar, but uh, I think both teams to score is probably the better look. Uh, anything else, any other World Cup opinions before we go? Yeah, so yesterday's results didn't really change our understanding really at all. We have, this has been chalk, 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 chalk. Um, it was watching the penalty kicks between Croatia and Japan was fun. Uh, Japan's, you, you, I feel like if you had a live market open of penalty, yes, no, you pretty much could have swept the board just by reading the body languages of, of the players as they went out and set up the balls because the Japan guys were literally like, you know, going out there with the, you know, the world's lowest confidence and the Croatians who scored were just boom clinical boom clinical um but uh that was a fun match and then uh south korea obviously you know that it completely overwhelmed in the first half of that one i thought brazil very much took their foot off the gas they could have had five six easily in that one and uh and really the south korean keeper maybe deserves a little credit for a couple of wonder saves <laughs> that was uh even as lopsided a result as it was in the scorebook I, that could have been worse i thought uh, but uh yeah brazil argentina still seems very likely our uh, our semifinal in the top half i don't give netherlands or croatia much of a chance in those two contests and then uh we'll figure out what the bottom looks like but uh, i still lean france over england and then uh presumably we get a spain portugal head-to-head -head, uh which would be a fun handicap because those two teams match up to pretty pretty well they obviously share an iberian peninsula uh and there's no love lost between those nations so uh, that would be fun if we get that but uh i, I you know I, I don't know what's going to happen in the spain morocco match this has the feeling like we go to penalty kicks in spain on you know spain manages to play their way out of here don't don't you kind of have that feel yeah, Spain's not afraid. They're not afraid to bottle an extra time period <laughs> in a big tournament. Uh, I know they have had success, but uh, yeah, this feels very much like a disaster game for Spain. But we'll see how that plays out. Uh, and yeah, if they do play Portugal, that has the makings of a very chippy nil-nil. And uh, again, similar to this Morocco game, maybe headed to extra time. I, uh, you're not going to like this, but I think I think England's going to beat France. I've okay. been uh, stewing on it. I think that with this weird. Henderson, Rice, Bellingham midfield that really started to click against Senegal. I think they bring in Trippier to help contain Mbappe. I think that Southgate, this is the kind of game that Southgate's good at, where they play ultra-conservative and they play on the break against the France team that, you know, its midfield hasn't had that much continuity. I think the d defense is vulnerable enough. So England plus 120, largely talking myself into that because I need it. <laughs> But uh, I do, I believe in you, Gareth, and we'll uh, we'll talk about that matchup uh, certainly as we get closer to it. But 
That's it for now. I'm going to go get a throat lozenge. Don't forget to check out NBCSportsEdge.com for more information to help you with your wages. Thanks for those watching on the NBC Sports YouTube channel. And if you're listening to us in podcast form, don't forget to subscribe and rate us from Jay and Drew Dinsick. We'll see you tomorrow. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. With the Wells Fargo Active Cash credit card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn 2% cash rewards on what you want, like season tickets to watch your favorite team, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like paying for parking. That's the beauty of the Active Cash credit card. It's ready when you are, with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash credit card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash activecash.